Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. And I'd like to welcome all... <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, that's the way it's going to be, huh? Okay. There's this riddle. Many of you have probably heard it. There's this riddle about these identical twins, and I don't know why riddles always have identical twins, but it does this one. But these identical twins are so identical that you can't tell the difference between the two of them. They're identical, absolutely identical. They're dressed alike, they look alike, they smell alike. Everything about them is identical, okay? And I'm working with the youth group here. They're identical. Yeah, what about... Okay. They're identical, and you're in a room with them, and in that room there are two doors. And for the sake of the riddle, one door leads to certain death, and one door leads to certain life. You're allowed to ask one question, and one question only, of the two identical twins who are in the room. The problem is, one of the identical twins always lies. One of the identical, his brother, they're guys by the way, always tells the truth. So it comes down to what is the one question you ask, and then what are your actions after that? One tells the truth, one lies, identical, two doors, what do you do? See, life is all about choices. Making good ones, making educated, wise choices. Oh, open your Bibles to Genesis. We're going to go to chapter 1. The Bible tells us that we were given the ability to choose we were given the opportunity to have wisdom. In Genesis 1.26, God made man in his image. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over all the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move around along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then sin entered the picture. And then the necessity to, to rely upon God to make good choices became even greater for man. The impact of our decisions became much more important. So as God made us in his image, intellect, emotion, and will, somebody, it's called imago dei, as, as man was made in the image of God, we were made with the ability to make choices. Everything comes down to choices. Like the riddle and like the first Adam, we ultimately bear the responsibility of our choices. Uh, I just for a second want to talk to the seniors. You are now about to graduate. You now have lost all privileges of blaming your parents. <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of you I, uh, the, the, who are still in high school or junior high, that doesn't mean you have an excuse to blame your parents. I'm just saying you've lost. These are your decisions now, your choices, it's your responsibility. You can make decisions emotionally or intellectually as you've been reminded in the past. Or you can make them in a combination of the two, but ultimately it's your will. It's your will that's going to chart and plot your future with God. And our choices in life basically boil down to two kinds. Two kinds of decisions. We can draw from empty wells 
or we can draw from the well that brings us eternal life. That's it. How you're going to navigate your life, you draw from one well or the other. Will I draw from the well that pleases God and honors God, or will I draw from the well that is empty, or perhaps it's full of poison, or perhaps does nothing to edify me or to honor the Lord? Would you pray for me as we open Scripture? Father God, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for this time that you have given us. And I pray, Lord, that this service is honoring and pleasing to you as we look to your word. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to speak with these graduates and to speak with the congregation who loves them and to share this time with their families. Lord, I just pray you, uh, you speak through me and share whatever it is that you would have each of us to learn. I pray this in your son's name. We're going to look at the two wells right now. There are the empty wells that give the illusion of quenching our thirst. And we're going to look at that one first. Um, now, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 9. In Proverbs chapter 9, Solomon has given a, a bunch of wisdom to us to, to contemplate and consider. And in verse 13, he starts a small story here. The woman who he personifies as folly, the woman folly is loud, She is undisciplined, without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on the seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. She says, let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet, she says. Food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of the grave. The woman folly... Folly is not a word we use very often today. Um, I can think of uh, uh, the ice capade follies, maybe. I mean, that's not what this means. Or there's a, um, a, a folly is also the, the trim, the ornate trim on a building that doesn't, doesn't have any structural uh, necessity. What does this folly mean? What is this about? It's lack of good sense. Lack of, I would say, godly sense. It's foolishness. It's an act of sheer whim. There are examples of folly all over out there in the world that is an empty well. You can, I'm sure, think of many. I've isolated just a few. One empty well that we dip from to feed ourselves is our culture. We find our worth and our need from our culture. Ah. We make whatever is important on the tabloid covers in the grocery store important to us. Which Hollywood starlet is having an affair with which Hollywood star? Really? Are these the things that motivate us and drive our lives? Um, I left my gadget in my office. Gadgets, iPhones, iPads. We get so tied to our gadgets that we forget... There's people. Um, maybe you're guilty of this too. We, 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 Candace and I laugh at each other and we poke fun at each other when this happens. But um, we sometimes have, have moved to the place in the morning of it's time to get the kids up. Let's text them. Get up. You know, time to get out of bed. If that doesn't work, we'll call them. Now think about this for a second. Those gadgets... Those gadgets that we go to because, you know, 
I now have an iPhone 4. I don't want to brag or anything, you know, but as soon as I got it, they came out with the iPhone 4S. Better than mine. We're always looking for the next better thing. Or we want to keep up with the Joneses. There's another empty well. We want to keep up with the Joneses. We compare and we let this drive us when, when I remember. And I, I, Well, let me say this first. Do you know how easy it is now with Facebook and the Internet and cell phones and texting to gossip immediately? I'm being facetious with this, but I remember when I was a kid, we didn't have this stuff. We had to wait till we got home and got on the party line to gossip. You kids have it so good today. We did. We had a party line. Lived out in the country. You pick, you know what a party line is? Of course you don't. What if they had party line cell phones? Wouldn't that be cool? Okay. You'd pick up the phone and someone else is talking. There's four or five houses that all share one line out. Someone's talking. No, you don't do that. You put, you put it down quietly. And there was something about pushing the button just right, right? Everybody, like, you still heard click. Everybody knew it was party lines. You could gossip. Well, texting, you can gossip immediately. Back then, you had to slow down. You had to think about what you were going to say. Do we, do we slow down and think about what we're going to say? Or do we just say it? Or Facebook, do we slow down and think of what we're saying? Or do we just say it? Here, this will scare you. You know that employers are now using Facebook to look at what you comment on, what you comment, what kinds of things you say, what pictures you post, what sorts of things you find important to put on Facebook. That's who you are. And they use those now to evaluate, should we hire this person? As Pastor Jim has told you, once you put it out there, it's there. You can't get it back. So culture and gadgets and gossip and slander and clicks... Empty wells. What do clicks do? Clicks are designed to keep, well, people down here. And if you've moved to the next level of clickdom, hi, John, bet you want to join us up here. It's to keep people down. One of our empty wells that we often run to is putting people down. And we've talked about this, you guys. Why do we put people down? So that we can try to stand up above them. It's an empty well. That empty well is really anchored in our own egocentricity. It's all about me, empty well. Sometimes we feel we need to be the most important. We need to get our own way. And when we do that, we begin to place our desires above God's desires for our lives. We can make excuses, another empty well. I'll do that later. I'm just a kid. I've got all the time in the world. I'll start tomorrow. Or perhaps we start with so much fire and so much intentionality that we're going we're gonna to live our lives for God. You just, you just watch. That it stops being about living our life for God and it becomes all about you just watch. And we start becoming religious. Jesus addressed religiosity as an extremely empty well. In all three synoptic gospels, Luke, Matthew, and Mark, this story is shared. You don't need to turn there. But in Luke 10, Luke writes, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with and all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself, an empty well. Remember that our decisions are supposed to honor God. And if we're worried about justifying ourselves, we're going to an empty well. Jesus honored that answer or that question. So he answered him. And he told him the parable of the Good Samaritan. Only Luke records that. You understand the, uh, the relationship there between the Samaritans and the Jews. Very tense. They had a history of, of animosity. Both groups thought very little, thought very lowly of the other group. A lot of tension. And when Jesus took the religiosity of this man, loving the Lord with all your heart, and then loving your neighbor as yourself, he gave the right answer. But Jesus wanted him to understand, you got it, but you didn't get it. Head, heart, hands and feet. You go serve. For some of us, that's really easy. We can love our spouses like ourselves, but it's really hard to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus didn't say, stop loving your wives or your husbands. But I want to point out to all of us that the two commandments that Jesus said were most important, this doesn't involve a spouse. We're going to talk a little bit about that a little later. See, when we go to an empty well, we're going to things that God wants us to avoid. And in 1 John, John said, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The man who goes to the full wells. In the Gospel of John, John records in chapter 4 that Jesus encountered a woman at a well. If you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. She's come to Jacob's well near the town of Sychar. And in verse 7 through 10 we read, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. That tension in between the two. She's noting, How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. There's a message here. See, Jesus goes on to tell this woman, all sorts of things about her life that she knows. And that probably other people know as well. But she knows her need for salvation. And he points directly into her heart and says, You are chasing empty wells. This well you will drink from and be thirsty again. This well you will drink from and never desire to drink of another well again. It will be eternal. It will last forever. She brings up her uh, ethnic and racial superiority or the, the ethnic racial superiority problem. Jesus said, there isn't one. Are you racist? That one gets tossed around a lot today. And you know, that actually bothers me a lot when I hear it. Because it's just as dangerous to throw a false accusation of racism as it is to, be a ra to actually be a racist. I get offended when I hear people say, they're a racist. But before I justify myself, I'm prejudiced. I know it. I'd be willing to bet so are you. Prejudice 
is a pretty wide spectrum. Let me show you how. For some of you, you're prejudiced against Chrysler and not Ford. Some of you for Ford and not Chrysler. Some of you are American League. Some of you are National League. Some of you love those Mariners. Let's hear it for the Packers. <laughs> wow. Um, we're in the right place. <laughs> Prejudice for our preferences. And sometimes pre- prejudice creeps into our principles where they do not belong. It's an empty well. God says, I want you to see things the way I see things. And I'll tell you how I see things. This is to dictate and dedic- and itself. This is to dictate our principles. Not our, not our preferences and not our prejudices. Empty well. Another thing that comes up with the Samaritan woman and Jesus is the, the uh, numerous husbands she's had. She's had five. We don't know why. Did they die? Was she a gold digger? Did they divorce her? Did she, did she need to fill her life with men to not be alone? Empty well. I, I have been blessed with a, a fantastic wife, but she is second to my relationship with Christ. She ought to be. And sometimes when I find my value in my spouse more than I find my value in the Lord, honey, I love you, but I'm going to an empty well. She eventually brings up her own religiosity, and we've already discussed that. But when she encounters Jesus, she encounters living water. All right, this is going to be, for the sake of time and message, a little rapid fire. And now I'm going to address particularly the seniors. We're going to talk about the living well. We're going to talk about that living water coming soon. There we go. This has been, this is our mission statement. This is what's guided us and motivated us for the last six years that you guys have been in the youth program. The youth ministry of Brian Bible Church strives to point students toward an active, growing relationship with Jesus Christ in every aspect of their lives. Every aspect. Sports, extracurricular, church life, home life, relationships, free time, school time, all the time, all the time. Do you remember when you hit junior high and you came into the seventh grade, one of the first things we taught you was Colossians 3.23? And do you remember that I, I danced around like a little monkey trying to show it to you, to help you remember it? Can you do it? This is going to be a test. The rest of you are exempt from this. Here we go. I, w- I want to hear something, right? <laughs> Excuse us. Whatever. Remember? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not. Remember that? Men! Remember we did that? Yeah, I got the same response in seventh grade. <laughs> Whatever you do, work at it as working for the Lord. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Continues in verse 24 to say, For you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That verse has been the, the, the backbone for all that we have done with you. Everything we've done with you. What have we done with you? We've done a lot. In six years, by my estimation, you have attended 
because you guys are exemplary and you never missed a day. You have attended 282 Sunday school lessons in the youth program, 264 youth group lessons, camps, retreats, service projects, beach days, mission trips, evangelism training through Dare to Share. You've been taking part in team builder activities, overnighters, all-nighters, and long-nighters. You have been equipped to lead others and to lead yourselves. Hopefully you enjoyed your time. We had fun with you. Fun does not appear in our mission statement. We intentionally point you to the living well. If you had a good time, we hope so. But we hope that you had a good time growing closer to him. What did we do while we taught you that? We taught you chivalry. (laughs) We taught you integrity and honor and virtue and self-discipline and kindness and respect and courage and submission. And not from a worldly perspective and not as character traits that you had to put on, but character traits that God wanted to develop in you when you submitted to him. Chivalry blesses my heart when one of my students comes to me on Easter Sunday and speaks to me about a mission trip she was on and says, I just want you to know how blessed I am to be in this youth group with these guys because they know chivalry and the kids at my Christian school don't. The guys treated us girls like, well, horribly. But my youth group knows chivalry. Amen. We were teaching you or helping you to learn characteristics that would allow you to honor the Lord by becoming a better spouse in your marriage. Did you know that? We were working on your marriages here. Don't tell the rest of them that that's what we were doing. We were hoping to help you have a stronger marriage later. And this concept, though, it extends itself past marriage. Remember in Luke, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's one thing to prepare yourself for marriage. I'd suggest as I I did back then, prepare yourself for marriage right now. Remember, ladies, how you treat your mother today is how you're going to treat your mother-in-law in the future. Guys, how you treat your father today is how you will treat your father-in-law in the future. Ladies, how you treat your father today is how you will treat your husband and your father-in-law in the future. Guys, How you treat your mother is how you're going to treat your wife and your mother-in-law in the future. How about we extend that right open to how you treat your sisters, how you treat your brothers, how you treat each other. Chivalry. We did that in junior high youth group. We do it today to keep you awake. We did it for the same reason we did to keep them awake. We studied the Ten Commandments. We taught you that God's desire for you was to live within His love. Those rules are there for you to live within His love, not exclude you from things. Because Jesus told us in in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and live it to the full. Then we studied the fruit of the Spirit. We showed you how God works on us from the inside out as we submit to Him in all things. Then we discussed spiritual warfare. And the reality of it, I can still see some of your faces. The night we did that thing that we're not going to talk about. It was good. Then we moved into the armor of God. 
to be strong against our enemy. We need to be strong in God's mighty power. We also had the life cycle. Loud night. Inspire night. Focus night. No. Equip night. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. So this one night. (laughs) Obviously, the Holy Spirit is just moving through me in an incredible way because the group is mesmerized, except for one table, finding humor in something. Still don't know what it was. But all I know is that night when I got home, I noticed that I had a hole in my pants. I'm sure they found something else funny instead of that. But we talked about living your faith loudly. Not, not, not irritatingly. Not in people's face. But to live your faith in such a way that everyone knows there's something different about you. And, then, and we played and we ate and we rejoiced and we had so much fun together on Loud Night. And then we had Inspire Night where we spent more time in worship and, and understanding exactly what God has in mind for us. And then we t- moved to Focus Night. And Focus Night we split into groups and small groups and talked and, and let you guys teach each other and sometimes teach us as we, as we dug into God's Word together. And ultimately we equipped you. We equipped you to share your faith. We talked about patterns, life patterns and faith patterns and, and our breathing prayer patterns, our thought patterns. Boy, there were a bunch. Reading patterns, friendship patterns, entertainment patterns, love patterns, what we go to to find hope. We looked at the patterns of our lives and we, we tried to identify or to help you identify yourselves. What empty wells do I run to? What's the pattern of my life? Do I run to him or do I run to the opposite? Do I run to empty wells or Jesus Christ? And we... And this, through this series, we helped you to see that walking with Jesus is something that we need to do with intentionality all the time. And then we talked about purity, purity of mind, purity of life. It's been a busy six years. It's a tough time for me because uh, while you're all still a part of this church, and I never think that you're not, for a guy like me, you got to think about it this way. I watch my congregation, so to speak, rotate out every six years. Every single year, my congregation is different. It's a hard time for me. Heavenly Father, we love you today. And Lord, I just want to thank you for each of these young people. Uh, Lord, as I just uh, look at each one of them and hear their stories and uh, just reminded of how much they have served, how much they love, and what, a, what an important part of this church family and how much they give. They are not here just to get, but they have given. And Lord, uh, we thank you that they love you. Protect them, watch over them, care for them, direct them, and, Lord, keep them uh, close to you. And uh, we know that they will always be a part of this church family. And uh, we look forward to their serving, and those will be staying in the area to continue to serve and to minister here. Those will be traveling away to coming back and being with us again. And, uh, Father, we put them in your care. I also want to thank you today for Pastor Kevin and the, the, the teaching, the love, the compassion, the sharing he's put into these lives for the leaders the sponsors, all the work that they have done. It's a labor of love, and we just thank you for that. We ask your blessing on the food. We're going to share together, and we ask your blessing on each person here today as they leave this place. May we walk with you this week. In Christ's name, all God's people, and say it together, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. Young people, you just.